Brenda Lucky's time as commissioner of the RCMP has been eventful, to say the least. She entered the post four years ago as the RCMP was confronting issues of workplace harassment, the treatment of Indigenous people, racism, and the need for internal reform, but things really came to a head in 2022. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Adrian Humphreys joins me to discuss Lucky's high-profile testimony at two public inquiries this year, apologies and calls for her resignation, and whether she could see her contract renewed in 2023. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Adrian, there's been a lot of attention given in 2022 to the RCMP and its leader, Commissioner Brenda Lucky. It hasn't always been positive coverage, mind you. There's There's been a lot of controversies this year, and Brenda Lucky's term, her five-year term, contract is up in early 2023 and you know there's a lot of people wondering whether she'll she'll stick around or or will she go and I want to talk about some of these controversies uh you have an, a very interesting piece at nationalpost.com detailing her year but before we get into that because people may not remember Brenda Lucky took over the RCMP after a few years of of controversy and, and shifting mandates for the national police force so I'm hoping you can set the stage a little bit give us a sense of what Lucky inherited when she took over the RCMP? Well, Brenda Lucky is, uh, you know, like, a, a, I think the 24th commissioner in the RCMP's 120, 149 year history. And uh, in recently, we've seen government after government appointing an RCM commissioner to try and fix a hole, to try and change its mandate, to try and bring in reform, or to try and reflect uh, in the national police force um, the the priorities of of, of sort of the, the government feels is is warranted and, and it they conservative liberal they they flipped flopped between the style of cop they seem to want um, you know uh, before Brenda Lucky uh, came on the scene her predecessors have have have, have all been sort of a different stereotype uh, Zach Zacherdelli was was called the cops cop and he was a swashbuckling you know, anti-mafia cop who was, you know, kicking ass and taking names kind of thing. And, and then, you know, when he ended up resigning for giving misleading testimony to a parliamentary committee, the Harper government uh, went forth a, a completely different approach. They actually, they actually named a, 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 not a, not a cop at all. He was a career bureaucrat, Elliot, uh, who, who, who led the force and that created its controversy and then they were switched back for the next one with uh, with Paulson, who who again was sort of this had a more of a hard nosed cop reputation. And as these um, the force sort of found itself embroiled in like workplace harassment, uh, bullying accusations, and lawsuits from own members, um, problems with uh, policing of the indigenous community, and accusations of you know police brutality and so forth. Uh, it's very clear, I think, that the Liberal government under Justin Trudeau wanted to bring in a different type of top cop, and and they chose Brenda Lucky, who, while she is a very experienced career Mountie. Her background is was different. Sort of, her reputation was different than, say, Zachary and Paulson. Her, her strength was in sort of community policing and training, and uh, and and so she came in with more of a mandate for uh, a modern reformation of the force. Um, and and then we got 
into a series of situations that may not have left her with with quite the amount of time to focus on that as she might have liked. Yeah, and I I know that about two years into her term as as commissioner, Canada was rocked by a mass shooting and manhunt in in Nova Scotia, and there have been lots of controversy around the RCMP's response to that incident. I mean, we can get into the inquiry itself and and some of the things that were going on behind the scenes, but even how the RCMP addressed notifying the public that uh, a gunman was on the loose came under a lot of scrutiny at the time. And I'm I'm wondering if that was kind of in in your perspective the beginning of of showing some some limitations not just of of Lucky herself but of the RCMP in general and whether they it was a modern reformed police force. I think the calls for uh and and a general feeling uh within the population that I've noticed and picked up really began to erode erode um after the Nova Scotia shooting and the massacre the, the way that was communicated the way it was investigated the suspicions the the, in, in a time when sort of misinformation and conspiracy and um, and suspicions are sort of razor edged with online communications and so forth, they seem to just march into that trying to to to, to feed it. You know, they 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 made these decisions and and took these actions that um, broke a lot of confidence for the victims of the families, particularly. Um, with the, with police critics and, and activists certainly, and I think with the with the general public as well, and uh, the fallout from that is it was a huge part of what made uh, this year a particularly punishing one for for the current commissioner Brenda Lucky. Mm-hmm. And and looking at the year 2022 on the whole, I mean, even before we get to the freedom convoy and even before we get to the inquiry into the Nova Scotia massacre and then the inquiry into the federal government's use of the emergencies act relating to the freedom convoy in Ottawa the year didn't start out very well for lucky herself as there was a ruling by the federal court that she didn't actually respond to complaints that the force illegally spied on indigenous and, cl- and climate advocates what can you tell me about those controversies well by the time that this year ticked around uh, there's still a lot of legacy problems but after uh, several years in, in in office it became harder and harder to sort of excuse them as a legacy project or a legacy legacy problem and so this this was a case of uh, the, uh, the there's no sort of civilian oversight board uh, per se of the RCMP, like you know, many municipal forces would have, and 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 so there's some these civ- civil review processes, and when complaints come in, they are they are uh, uh, looked at, and 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 if there seems to be some concerns there, the, the the commissions can go back to the RCMP and say we need more information. This this is something we need to look at, and in this particular case, there was very little activity of responding to the um, civilian board's requests for uh, information on these incidents uh, taking out, taking place in BC. And uh, it came down to the point where the civil liberties associations and other groups um, took them to court. And the judge agreed that there was actually, you know, flouting the law on what's required of the RCMP for its accountability by, um, by failing to respond appropriately in, in this, this matter. And, you know, there were other examples. So, you know, that sort of started her year off. Um, there were other sort of 
problems that uh, commissioners have been dealing with for years as well, but that uh, came to a head, um, such as the workplace, you know, harassment and bullying, and that's, you know, come from a, you know, a lawsuit from her own members. This isn't sort of, you know, activists, anti-police activists um, that were taking the RCMP t- uh, to court. This was serving in past RCMP members, and that was also a sore spot um, early in the year 2022. We'll be right back. Looking at the two main inquiries that we saw in 2022 that that kind of snapped up Lucky into the controversy, into the the whirlwind, we look first at the the Mass Casualty Commission involving the Porta Peak shootings in 2020, and Lucky in in that instance, I mean, the RCMP response, as we as we mentioned, and as has been talked about on the show before, the families of the victims were not very pleased with the RCMP through all of this. And then the public was not very pleased with how the RCMP responded to the shootings and how they notified the public. But then we got revelations that behind the scenes, while this investigation was going on, there was the there was potential political interference and and that Lucky was actually behaving in a in a political fashion behind the scenes. Now, for those who who may have forgotten, what was revealed? What was revealed at the inquiry about Lucky's involvement in dealing with local detachments in Nova Scotia? So yeah, so in Halifax where they were heading up the actual investigation into the horrific uh, tragedy. Um, 22 murders uh, by a man masquerading as an RCMP officer driving a replica RCMP cruisers. Among the victim was an RCMP officer. And then all the questions about how the RCMP handled the investigation and is, is still sort of struggling to handle the investigation. With both the Freedom Convoy and the, the, the Nova Scotia massacre, there was sort of the hit and then there's the ricochet. So so the ricochet was really sort of coming as as more information was coming to light with Brenda Lackey's communications with the local investigators in Halifax. And there was a conference call, um, something, you know, shortly after the, the murders, but sometime after the murders, when there was a press conference, and she was very angry and disappointed and frustrated that the local investigators in Halifax didn't say in the press conference that the weapons the gunmen used were semi-automatic and assault style. And she said on the call... The, the investigator claimed that this was sort of tied to the, the Liberals' pending gun control legislation. And this sort of seemed really inappropriate to a lot of people that uh, RCMP's commissioner, the top law enforcement official, was trying to change and manipulate, uh, influence a local investigation, of, especially one of such magnitude, um, for the purposes of, of partisan politics. And she and the government both sort of denied it, said that it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't influence. She wasn't exerting undue influence. She was just raising this concern. She had been asked, so forth. And you know that was problematic enough. But after some time, after the commission had heard testimony from all these officers, after uh, the commissioner herself testified, the actual recording of the conversation was was suddenly found and released. And for many people, it was, you know, way far worse than even they suspected because it's in her own words, in her own audio, in her own transcript, she she so clearly talks about 
in a way of such subservience to to the prime minister and to government ministers and how she was sort of humiliated because she she'd had to apologize for 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 not doing what she said she would do with the declaring these guns to help their their gun ban policy mandates and and how she was waiting for the call from the prime minister to, to apologize to him too and uh, it really presented a picture of uh, of a subservient bureaucrat as opposed to uh, an independent law enforcement agency concerned with uh, in, enforcing the laws in this federal laws in this country. And uh, it brought people the wrong way because, uh, you know, you have these situations in the U.S. with the FBI when they're sort of tackling corruption. And, you know, it, sometimes it seems like every other person the FBI is uh, arresting is some bureaucrat or civil servant or government official or former governor. And you just don't see that in Canada. And, and a lot of people pointed to this and say, well, now maybe we know why. Mm-hmm. And and this is all coming out in the wake of the Freedom Convoy and the federal government's response, the invocation of the Emergencies Act to deal with protesters who had camped out in Ottawa for weeks. And right after all of these revelations came out about Lucky's handling of the mass shooting in Nova Scotia, we started getting testimony about the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act in the fall. And part and parcel to all of this is the RCMP and what role it played. And, you know, I know at the start, it was all about whether it was a local policing issue, whether the local police had the tools and then, you know, whether they should have help from the OPP or the RCMP. And then ultimately the federal government decided to evoke, invoke the Emergencies Act. How does Lucky fit in to all of that? Well, she she becomes a, an important part of that, and um, for a couple of reasons. Well, first off, all policing uh, is under scrutiny over that. Um, some feels that they, you know, many people feel that they they were too heavy-handed uh, in, in in dealing with uh, with this and, and let it blow out of control. Other people think they should have moved along, you know, way far quicker and far faster. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of debate and dispute about tactics and strategy and, and effectiveness of the policing all around at all levels in, in, in the incident. But what really is striking home politically and on the sort of issue of independence and so forth and the uh, efficacy of the RCMP's leader was that under the, you know, the Emergencies Act is, is supposed to be, you know, an, an emergency <laughs> um, when, when you don't have other other tools available. And, and she testified uh, that she she did have other tools available. She didn't think that, that every tool had been um, tried before turning to the Emergencies Act, and that there was a plan in place. Police, and the RCMP had approved of a plan to act, but it turns out she failed to actually inform the Prime Minister and the Cabinet at, at, at meetings about this. And she said that's because she she wasn't on the speakers list. She wasn't particularly asked. And then there was some devastating other uh, testimony from people at the meeting and. You know, so head of you know the top civil servant in Canada and, and the national security advisor and so forth that are saying that you know if you have relevant important information you're expected to express it, whether you know someone asks you or uh, or not, and um, and then uh, the text messages between government officials and police officials were also released as part of the Freedom Convoy uh, inquiry and uh, and there's some. There's some strange messages in there um, uh, that sort of the, the, the sort of behind the closed doors that I don't think anyone at the time thought would ever be uh, made public, but have been 
and it includes one of uh, the clerk of the Privy Council referring to uh, the public safety minister, uh, who's, you know, de facto uh, Commissioner Lucky's boss, calling her a wounded leader, you know, even more so than before. Um, and uh, so that's sort of not a good look for uh, for an RCMP commissioner, um, especially at such a such a controversial time. Now we have a commissioner who was brought in after years of controversy to try and help deal with issues relating to workplace culture and the culture of RCMP. Do you get a sense that with her contract being up in the new year, that the government is going to take another chance on her? And, you know, I'm not asking you to like weigh in whether you think she should go or not, but I, but I am curious if you, if you think that, or if you'd be surprised if the government said, okay, we're going to give you another shot at this. From people I've spoken to, there seems to be a very wide held view that um, she's had her kick at the can. Um, you know, that she certainly has her defenders. Um, after my piece ran, I've, I've received uh, some emails from, from people, uh, recent retirees or retirees from the force and others that, that sort of place blame more on government than uh, for, for, for putting the RCMP in this position than the RCMP themselves. But there is a preponderance of thought that I've encountered uh, that the commissioners probably had uh, enough time to try and right the ship. And certainly she's had to face some unprecedented problems and, and scrutiny that uh, perhaps give a, are unfair in terms of um, uh, the public record of the commissioner. She's probably the most documented and scrutinized commissioner in the RCMP's history. Uh, but that may be the way we're going. And scrutiny um, becomes a very important part of public confidence in the powerful. And, and, and the RCMP certainly is included in that, that uh, position of power. So there's, you know, I, I, I think people are expecting uh, perhaps a new commissioner to, uh, to be named. And, uh, and frankly, I, I think it might be mutual. Um, this has been a terrible time. <laughs> she's, not, uh, she's not had a good time. She's not had uh, much time to, to relax or think. She's had to go from one emergency to another and one controversy to another. Um, there might well be a case that uh, everyone everyone's looking uh, for change. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait uh, probably till March to, to or, or in the new year, certainly to, uh, to find out for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I'm left with one thought is that in a way she may have had too much on her plate that she was already given the task of kind of bringing in culture change to an organization that has had its problems over the years and then also had to deal with events that, you know, may or may not have happened had had things played out a different way. The Emergencies Act, the Nova Scotia shooting, in a, in a different world, in a different timeline, perhaps those may not have landed on her plate. Do you feel that RCMP reform is bigger than one person, bigger than, oh, just here's a new face for the RCMP and we're going to bring in a culture change that there perhaps needs to be a wider discussion both within the RCMP and within government? I, I think absolutely the evidence is fairly clear that, that that's the case. Um, they've, they've tried the different management styles. They've tried 
the the bureaucrat and the swashbuckler. They tried the hard nose. They tried the soft nose. The RCMP is most certainly a really hard ship to turn. And the problems we've, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, everyone must have some sympathy. We've we probably all had situations when we've had big, long-term, important projects we want to get to, but we're always then eaten alive by by the daily requirements and the emergencies, the urgent things uh, that keep popping up, and um, that may be the situation we're facing. And uh, it's it's hard to. It's hard to imagine that any one person can come into the commissioner's role and and right that ship uh, and and make the reforms that have been repeatedly um, called for at uh, all kinds of inquiries and commissions and and reviews. It's a it's a big job, and um, you know I think it's going to take a lot of effort to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And well, whoever has that role, whether it is lucky or going forward, or a new commissioner in the new year. They'll have a lot of work ahead of them. Adrian, thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for your interest. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Adrian Humphreys. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.